The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Okay. Well, just for the record, we got the sun in Phoenix, too. 52 to... <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sunny in Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. My name is Charlie Erling, and as always, I've got Mitch Krumpetich with me. Well, hi. Well, hello there to you. Today, we're going to go into some of our most underrated Suns players, and I believe we all... We picked these out of uh, recent memory, correct, Mitch? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We didn't. We didn't go too deep, far back. These are guys that we watched play, so we can be somewhat experts on the our opinions here. I'd say. Anyways, after before we get into that, we're gonna get a NBA update with Mitch. Follow us on Twitter at Sunny and PHX Pod. Same thing for Instagram. Go on iTunes. Leave us a five star review and a comment, and you will get a shout out on the show. So we do have a little bit of news this week. First off, Orlando has emerged as a front runner for the return of the NBA. They're still trying to figure out exactly what the format's going to look like, but having all the players in Disney World, basically, and playing games, whether it be a tournament with a play-in or there there could be some of the regular season resumed, but they're looking for a mid-July return. And then it is very likely that next season will start January or maybe December, but no fans, pretty much no fans until there's a vaccine. But I think we've all kind of come to terms with that. But we might be seeing basketball played mid-July. That's what it's kind of starting to look like. That's what's emerging. So Orlando is a front runner. I know Las Vegas is still in the discussion, potentially having two sites versus just one. But I think the most exciting part of all of this for Suns fans is – there could be a chance we could be playing in a, a playoff, depending on what they choose. So that's pretty much where we're at right now. Yeah, we have not heard exactly how they're going to finish the regular season. Or I, I guess there's there was rumblings that there would be a finish to the regular seasons before we move into playoffs. But that seems like it's still all up in the air. But they're saying less than two months away from getting back to action. That's exciting to me. How long have we been without? It's been since the middle of March, so a little over two months. Yeah, so we we just got to do this again a little less, and we'll be back to basketball. That's really exciting to hear. Yeah, it's looking more and more every day. Like, we will have basketball. We will return for this season. Um, still nothing official from the league yet but they're still kind of getting ideas throwing stuff out there and things are starting to kind of become more clear as of late and the the big hanging point for me is still what happens if a guy tests positive for covid during the return of the regular season here are they going to boot him out are they going to let him play who knows what what that situation's going right. to be? Right, and that's something that I still don't know either because I've seen people saying 
a positive test doesn't necessarily mean a guy's just done for 14 days. You know, we, we don't really know. I don't know what that's going to look like. Well, either way, it seems like it's going to, you know, get figured out here pretty quickly and we'll get to talk about all this stuff. And it's been so up in the air lately. Every time we get a little piece of news, you know, we're thirsty for that stuff. And every little bit helps at this point to me. Yeah, definitely. Keep the news coming. I like getting this positive news of basketball coming back. And the players want to play. I think that's a big part of it. They want to play. Have I missed an update on baseball yet? Have you heard anything about that? Because I think those no. these are the two that are going to be fighting to come back first, I suppose. And hockey. Hockey too, yeah. Yeah, hockey... I know they're trying, they're thinking similar to the NBA of picking two kind of neutral sites in places that aren't severely affected. Uh, Baseball, I haven't heard much about. Um, What I have heard a little bit about is Premier League soccer in the UK. They're really pushing to have that back. They were trying for June, but they keep testing all the players and two more just tested positive, I think, as of Sunday uh sunday may 24th we had a couple more positive tests in the premier league so that kind of throws a wrench in things but you know we're as far as the nba goes i think we're getting there especially because team practice facilities are open and we saw there were some suns players in the madhouse at mcdowell we saw some pictures of of guys working out a little bit so you know what i think for better or for worse, it sounds like we're going to be getting back to it. That's right. And until then, we will watch Korean baseball. Yep. Let's go NC Dinos. <laughs> They're my team. <laughs> there we go. Okay. Most underrated sons of recent memory. Maybe that's the way we should have titled that. So we each picked three. And these are guys who we have appreciated being Suns players, but maybe everyone else hasn't appreciated them as much as they're due. So we each pick three. Mitch, let's start it off. Okay, I'm going to start with the Polish hammer, Marcin Gortat. Gortat was a guy who, in the modern NBA, it's just not really going to work. But when he was in Phoenix, which was from 2010 to 2013, he put up pretty respectable numbers, especially in the 2011-2012 season where he had 15.4 points and 10 rebounds and one and a half blocks. Those are pretty good numbers. Now, the NBA was changing at that time. It was moving into this more of a shooter's league. The center position was changing, but it's not at all like it was now. This was almost 10 years ago. Things were different back then. So Gortat put up pretty respectable numbers. And over his career in Phoenix, in his, let's see, what are we looking at here? Three seasons in Phoenix, he averaged 13.3 points, nine rebounds. And what's that? A block and a half. Yeah. Not bad. He put up pretty good numbers. I think he was underrated at the time. Um, I don't, I don't know. I didn't watch a ton of Suns basketball at this point. I'll be honest. I kind of fell away from the team. 
Uh, after Nash left, that was kind of like the final straw for me that I was like, I'm not going to watch as much. But when I did and still following like on social media throughout college and everything like that and starting to get more into it toward the end of that, that phase of my life, I know that Marcin Gortat had a big impact on this team that I don't think people really talk about very often. No, that's all really good stuff. And Gortat started his career off with the magic and he was playing behind Dwight Howard. And everybody knew that Gortat had some potential to be a good big man in the league, but, you know, Superman Dwight Howard in his prime, you can't take him off the court. So the Suns find a way to snatch him up, and he kind of blossoms right away. And a big part of that is this was uh, right after Stoudemire leaves the Suns, and Steve Nash is looking for a new pick-and-roll duo. He, he needs someone that's going to be rolling to the rim. And when they got that working out in their short time together, it was nice. It, was a, it wasn't a complete replacement for Stoudemire, not even close. But Gortat did a lot of things that we needed at the time and, you know, made Steve Nash look better even after Stoudemire. So that, that's something to appreciate for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think Steve Nash could have run a pick and roll with me or you at the center position and made it, made it work. But I mean, yeah, he's no Stoudemire, but I think he did a pretty good job. Absolutely. All right. And I'm going to stick pretty well in line with this. I'll go with another big foreign white dude. I'm going to go with Alex Len. And I know no one's going to like what I have to say here because nobody likes Alex Len. But look back to the situation when he was getting drafted. It was the 2013 draft. And he was projected to be a mid-lottery pick, you know, anywhere between 6 and 10 for the longest time. And then shortly right before the draft, there was all this hype about him and talks that he could potentially be going number one. So all of this happening everybody gets so excited for Alex Len because the Suns land him and everyone thought he could go number one. So it seems like a great pick, but it seems like he was just so rushed into everything. But anyways, he plays five seasons with the Suns. He averages just over seven points, six and a half rebounds per game and a block per game. And a guy that you draft this early in the lottery to uh, have to get, brought through with all the bust conversations and all that. He had a really good attitude here in Phoenix, maybe up until his last season here. I think he was upset that he wasn't able to shoot the three and maybe just uh, he wasn't getting quite the minutes he wanted. But the the way he pushed through at the beginning of this, I, I just appreciate that about him. And in five seasons, he has some all-time Suns records. And he doesn't hold the records, but he's in the top 10. Eighth most blocks. Sixth in block percentage. Sixth in offensive rebound percentage. Fifth in total rebound percentage. So Alex Len did his job as a big man while he was here. Even though he didn't have all the help around him that would have been necessary to make him look like a number five pick. Maybe it would be a good way to put it. I don't know. I just appreciate what he put in. He got drugged through the mud. Butterfinger Len. We, we've all we've all done it. But 
I appreciate what he did in his time here. Yeah, Len, when Len got drafted, I remember being excited because at that point I was more into college basketball and Len, Len at Maryland looked good and people were excited. And I remember toward the end of, of the college season that year, he was, you know, like you said, people were saying maybe number one, there was a lot of hype around him. The Suns got him at five and in hindsight, it wasn't great, but that was a weird draft. Like that was a very, very strange draft. So you have to keep that in mind too. I don't, (laughs) I don't know that any alternatives really given what we knew at the time would have been that much better. So it's, you know, Len was kind of the, he had to deal with a lot of that, just like weird draft kind of stuff. Uh, I don't think he was terrible in Phoenix. His last season, yeah, he wasn't, like, great. He was never great. I shouldn't say great. But um, he did a decent job a lot of the time. And I remember when you talk about attitude, I remember him having a good attitude about things. Even when we we brought Tyson Chandler in and he knew, like, okay, you know, that's – Tyson does just exactly what Len does and he probably does it better. Uh, at, at the time when Tyson first came in and Len never said a word about that. You know, we saw some of those weird lineups with him and Tyson in at the same time, but we don't really talk about that because it was a dark period. But um, Len always did have a good attitude and I'll never forget that time that we saw him at my building. And, oh yeah. Yeah. I remember that. And he got out of that like Porsche or whatever. And like, we were like, how did he even fit in that car? It's so tiny and he's so huge. Yeah, it was like a clown car situation. Yeah, basically. So, little fun nugget about Alex Len, but I got no, I, I got one more about Len too. Yeah, sort of a an enforcer for the team. He yeah. always had his teammates back. If there was a scuffle, Len was getting in there, and he played with the chip on his shoulder too. Sometimes, sometimes he'd get mean, and I loved it. Yeah. I remember that. And I mean, I remember his rebounding. I remember he, he had some nice dunks that, you know, hyped the team up. I remember him hitting a handful of threes. I remember him improving a little bit. I mean, his hands were, he had issues with, with catching the ball sometimes, but you know, I, I don't think he was as bad as people make him out to be. No. And a lot of guys that are drafted in the top 10 fizzle out, but Alex Len is still playing at this point. He's still on a, under a contract and we'll see what happens next for him. Yeah. Yeah. I, he's one of those guys that I always wish the best. Like I have no ill will towards Alex Len. Same. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I was going to go in a different direction, but I'm just going to keep within the same framework of, big, tall, white European guys. And I'm going to go with Mirza Toledovic. Mirza only played one season with the Suns, and he came off the bench, averaged 12.2 points per game, and didn't really do anything else. Now, this doesn't look great from from the numbers exactly, but he shot 39.3% from three, and he attempted almost six threes a game. He made an impact on one of the most awful Suns teams ever. And I'm <laughs> picking him. I'm really picking him 
just because he had such a good attitude and he was forced to do things that he never had to do anywhere else, except for maybe when he played in Europe, he had to post up. He had to play the five. Sometimes he had to guard like Deandre Jordan because we had injuries. We had poor decision-making from the coaching staff. We had a lot of weird stuff that Mirza had to go through. And I was happy for him when he ended up going to the bucks afterwards because he got to play on pretty good teams. And I was happy for him. His, you know, the end of his career is really tough. I feel bad. You know, he had the issue with the blood clotting in his lungs and everything like that. And, you know, I know that was a tough decision for him. But, you know, I'm happy that he's healthy and safe and everything like that. He was a great family guy. He was really liked in Phoenix. And I was happy to have him here. I think he had a great attitude about having to do things that he would have never had to do anywhere else. Yeah. Those are all really good points that, that year with Mirza was, he was the bright spot for quite a few of those games because he was the one guy who could go off and just toss in five or six threes. That's, what you relied on Mirza to do. And that's the only way we were going to win games that year too. So I, he just a good guy to have on that squad. And like you said, I'm happy he got to go to some uh, greener pastures afterwards and play some more meaningful basketball. But when you get thrown into a situation like that, you keep your head down and you don't complain. You got to give shout outs to nearly everybody on that 22 win roster or whatever it was yeah it was the 2015-16 season it was so rough oh (laughs) my gosh yeah it was it was a bad one i will never forget that but yeah mirza he also broke a record right i think it was like what was it free throw percentage for someone coming off the bench or something like that or i thought it was three 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 point yeah, three was it points. percentage or made? It was made. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he broke the record for most three pointers made coming off the bench. Yep, that was his job. <laughs> right, and you know, I, I just think maybe a little underappreciated. I feel that. Okay, we'll go on to my second one. I'm going to change things up just a little bit here. This is a big white guy who's actually American. So it's a little different than the first. Oh, yeah. This is where we're going to disagree. That's right. (laughs) Okay. So this guy was part of the 2013-14 Sun Squad that went 48 and 34. So this is the best team we've had in eight years or whatever. He scored eight points per game, just under eight rebounds per game, and averaged over a block. And I'm talking about Miles Plumley. This is a little crazy, but this year, 13-14, we traded Luis Scola, who may be an honorable mention in our in our deal here, but we traded Luis Scola for Miles Plumley, Gerald Green, and the pick that became Bogdan Bogdanovich. So everyone was kind of excited about Gerald because he's an exciting player. And Miles just seemed like a toss-in on the deal. He didn't have a great start to his career with the Pacers. Uh, I don't think he averaged more than like three points a game for him. He didn't play a ton. But McDonough, maybe my one of my favorite moves that Ryan McDonough ever made, brings these two guys in. 
and Miles Plumley starts 80 games for the Suns. Oh, he played in 80 games, started 79 of them. And he filled so many needs for this team. And we got to keep in mind, this team won 48 games. We haven't seen that in a long time. So you got to appreciate that about it. This guy started all the games for a team that won 48. And he wasn't the most skilled or refined player, but he was seven feet tall and he could jump out of the gym. He was a great low post defender, mainly just a a guy to deny people at the rim. I, I won't say he was a great defender, a great shot blocker. He did a solid job rebounding the ball. And as a Suns fan, you got to love the big guys that make a, that make their selves, you know, that earn their contract as a son. We, we don't always have great bigs. We normally have solid guards. That's kind of what we're used to. So I always have a soft spot for these big guys who can come in and do stuff like this. And along with this, I just have to say shout out Gerald Green because no one thought that those two guys would have the season they did, but they did. And looking back, it's the closest we've been to the playoffs for quite a while now. So shout out Miles, Sky Miles, Plung Dog, Millionaire, Plumley. Yes. The nickname was the best part of his game, I believe. Yeah. Sky Miles, Plum Dog, Millionaire. So good. Uh, I don't like Miles Plumley. I don't like Mason Plumley. I don't like the other Plumley. I don't like any <laughs> of those guys. Duke guys, college basketball rivalry thing. I don't. I never liked them. But what you're saying is all right. You know, he did have a big impact on the team. And yeah, I mean, it's it's when you put it in perspective, like what you're saying about, you know, 48 wins and the way he and Gerald Green contributed that makes a big difference. So maybe I don't disagree as much as I thought I would. I'm just not really a fan. But no, yeah, I mean, and this I mean, season, this season that we're talking about was his best season of his career by far. He never did anything close to putting up eight and eight per game after this or before this. So the fact that it's kind of fluky makes it more uh, memorable to me, I guess. So mm. I'll pound that Miles Plumley drum for a long time. Right. Well, and he also, I mean, when you said he was seven feet tall and he could jump out of the gym, I mean, I remember that. I do remember him having some pretty awesome dunks, given that he's seven feet tall, too. Was, that's pretty cool, I guess. Yeah, I think his max vertical was... Like 43 or 44 or something. That's, that's wild. That's spooky. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's how those Plumleys are. They were, I feel like Mason, maybe not to that extent, but I feel like he's not no, he, terrible. He's, he doesn't have a bad vertical leap either. No, he's got springs too, that's for sure. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, well, I'm going to go to one now that I know we'll all agree on. Maybe we'll disagree on the uh, underappreciated part, but I think this guy was underappreciated. And I've got Leandro Barbosa. Wow, I picked three foreign guys for for all of these. That's okay. So Barbosa played nine seasons total in Phoenix, but it's skewed because two of them were returns. So he was here starting in 03, the 03-04 season, played all the way until the 09-2010 season. 
Then he bounced around a little bit, came back to the Suns at age 31 in 2013-14, left again for the Warriors, and then came back to the Suns one more time in 2016-17 and then retired. Pretty wild. Now, the reason I'm going to say Barbosa is underappreciated is because of those returns. Now, in the time that Barbosa was here in his first stint, he had a huge impact, and people realized that. Let's take 06-07, for example. His best season of his career, 18.1 points per game, 4 assists a game, 1.2 steals a game, 2.7 rebounds. Steve Nash is back up as a point guard. So fast, could get to the rim. You know, his, his shot improved. He also, he shot, this is pretty wild, 43.4% from three, and he took five and a half threes a game. He shot over 40% for two years in a row. So Barbosa had a big impact on this team back then. I don't think that's underappreciated. But the fact that he came back again, or not again yet, that he came back in 2013-14 and averaged seven and a half points and almost two assists, 1.6 assists, not great numbers, but he came back at 31. He only played 20 games, but he was on the team. He was a vet in 2013-14. We were still bad, you know, but it was nice to have him back. Then he leaves again and comes back again. That is what I think is huge because 2016-17, we were so young. We needed that vet to help us out. And it was so nostalgic to have him back. At age 34, playing 67 games, averaged 6.3 points a game and not much else. One and a half, 1.6 rebounds, whatever. It was nice to have him on the team. And his dedication to this team, even though he bounced around, was really admirable. And that's why I think he's underrated as a son. Totally. And look at the guy... Obviously, speed for days, but yet at 34 years old, who built his career off his athleticism, can stick around on an NBA roster and help out young guys like we had that year. Pretty cool story. And I had no idea that he shot over 40% from three in those years. That's insane. That's yeah. insane. But you get, you think of that seven second or less offense, and you got Barbosa zipping down to the corner. On fast breaks, I it, it makes sense, but it's it's just a I and you you mentioned we you've done all your guys are foreign guys, two out of my three are. It's just a it's something that I think a lot of us appreciate to a point. These uh, guys from all over the world coming to the NBA to play, and these are guys who you know have to learn how to speak English, have to learn the customs of America and all that, you throw that into the mix and it's even more impressive. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense in regard to the Suns because, I, like, who knows from around the world how many people do you think have Phoenix, Arizona on their radar? You know, I, I feel like L.A., New York – maybe even like Boston to an extent. Those are the cities that people are thinking of 
when they think of the U.S. I, that's what I feel like, at least. I don't think Phoenix, Arizona is on a lot of a lot of international radars. Now we know that the Suns have quite a few international fans, but you know, I I, I I'm curious what it's like for a guy who maybe you know is is from a, another country to come over and to be in Phoenix, Arizona. You know, now it's not like Indianapolis. It's not like it's, I don't know, Oklahoma City or something like that. Like we're the fifth largest metropolitan area in the country, but it's still, it's not LA or New York, you know, it's way different than, than those cities. Right. But yeah, Barbosa always loved watching him play and maybe his style of game kind of makes him underrated. He wasn't the guy that was putting up a ton of points, except for a couple of years in there. He had some really nice scoring seasons, but he was uh, Steve Nash's running mate, more or less. He ran the point when Steve needed a break, and sometimes he'd be in there at shooting guard, blazing down the floor and just getting easy layups all day. So I, I appreciated everything about Barbosa. I love all these guys on our list so far. Yeah, I love all of them except for Miles Plumley, but yeah, I guess I... And That's too bad for you. More now. <laughs> Good. That's the idea. All right. So my final one, and this one maybe not underappreciated, but now as we you know move on into the future and start to forget about these things, I want to talk about Boris Dia. He was the guy that was part of some of those seven seconds or less sons. That he he was the unsung hero. You want to talk about Nash, you want to talk about Stoudemire, and then there's Marion. But then I just, I always think of Boris Dia, the polite Draymond Green before his time. <laughs> he, he really did it all on the floor. And with our teams and the fast-paced style, he was so perfect for it. As a son, he averaged 10.5 points per game, 5.5 rebounds per game, and 4.5 or 4.7 assists per game. Those are great numbers for a guy who you think is a power forward or center. You know, he was even a shooting guard small forward at the beginning of his career when he was thin. So this guy can do everything. And the seven seconds or less sons were, they're called that. It was a style to the game that named them how fast they played. And not a lot of big guys can keep up with that. But Boris was so perfect for it. Yeah, he was. And I think what you're saying is right on. Because when I think of that era of Suns basketball, usually the way I name them, the order I go in, is Nash, Stoudemire, Marion. Then I might say Barbosa, Rajah Bell, and then Boris. So That's fair. Yeah. That's... And I mean, maybe I thought about putting Rajah Bell on this list too, but I think the, I think some of his antics maybe have him more appreciated and thought about. Right. Um, and we know he was a good shooter, but yeah, I don't know why. I I, I guess I, I think about Boris Diaw, but not mm, I guess sixth, fifth, or sixth in that order. And he did have a big impact, and he had a long career. In the end, even as his game changed and his body changed, he was able to still, you know, find his way in the NBA. Sounds like we're talking about a woman going through pregnancy. <laughs> the, way, the way her body changed. Yeah. 
as Boris Diaw's <laughs> body changed. <laughs> but I mean, that's it. Guys get older and they have to adjust their games. And Boris is the prototype of that. Absolutely. And all the funny nicknames you can give him, the puff pastry and, <laughs> you know, all that stuff. It's funny, but Charles Barkley was fat at some point of his <laughs> career. And there, there's been guys with that build that do just fine. And it's, it's all about IQ at that point. You're not the most athletic guy. So you have to be the smartest guy. Boris Dia was one of those smart guys. Right. Well, and that story too of the uh, the vertical jump. That's one of my favorites. You know which one I'm talking about. I I might need reminded, and it okay, may be a so good story to tell. I forget exactly who all was involved, but uh, they were doing like the vertical leap, you know, with like the little red and blue marker things they have up. The notches and, that you got. Yeah, the in. notches. And Boris drank his espresso. He loved coffee and espresso. And he, at some points he had an espresso maker in his locker <laughs> and he, he was in, I'm pretty sure it was the sun's training facility and he was watching someone do like the vertical leap and they got pretty high up and Boris was like, I could do better than that. And so he takes a sip of his coffee and puts it down and jumps up really fast and gets couple notches higher and then goes back to drinking his coffee and yeah we laugh about these guys but boris dia has a better vertical and can bench more than i could ever dream of oh know? yeah no question <laughs> it's, it's just funny to think about it that way right yeah these guys are professional athletes no yeah no question <laughs> all right well we're curious too who are your underappreciated sons of recent memory and you know keep in mind this is fairly recent memory these are all guys that we watched play i thought about putting like dan marley on this but i think marley was pretty appreciated and honestly i don't you know i didn't watch him play in person or or otherwise you know so i think there's a lot of old school guys that we probably don't appreciate as much as we should especially like Connie Hawkins, Walter Davis, all those, like they were amazing players that probably aren't appreciated enough, but this is of recent memory. So who are your most underappreciated sons of recent memory? Um, but with that, we will be moving to the non-sports section of the show. I'll give you an update. My allergies are better. I'll just leave it at that. I'm good. Very now. nice. <laughs> um, but our non-sports question this week is what are you watching? Okay. I was on Hulu. I was trying to find something new to watch. And HBO had one of those 10-day free specials going on or something like that. So I said, there's got to be a good old HBO show. I was thinking of The Wire. I had already watched The Wire. And then I thought of The Sopranos. And I said, now is the time to finally dive in and watch The Sopranos. And it's excellent. It's a little, you know, it's a little parts maybe considered a little smutty. Some, uh, I don't, I don't know. Maybe not the best for your kids to watch, but I've really enjoyed the story of it all. It's really cool about, you know, how the, how a mafia family lives in the nineties and early two thousands, whatever it was. It, it was just an interesting perspective. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of us have watched the Godfather movies and all of that, but I feel like this is more of a close representation to what 
uh, organized crime is like today. And it was just really neat to watch it. And, you know, I'm uh, like a quarter Italian, so I like to think that uh, maybe someday I'll be a made man. (laughs) (laughs) I've never watched The Sopranos. Um, I have a really hard time with these long episodes, many seasons. It's just so daunting sometimes. But I've heard it's a great show. I remember when it was airing and the last episode was like a really big deal. Don't spoil anything because I, I don't well, remember I don't, it. Thank you. That's that's the extent of my knowledge. Okay, that's <laughs> um, you're okay then. It's okay. Yeah, but I I've heard it's a good show. Um, I've been kind of doing the polar opposite of that, <laughs> and uh, Netflix recently put Avatar: The Last Airbender back on, and I watched that show like as it came out when I was a kid. I don't think I ever finished it though. I don't know how it ended, so no spoilers on that, please. But I've gone back and rewatched that. I'm I'm uh, partially through the first season. Um, I'm pretty slow with this kind of stuff, but I'm watching when I can. And I've told some people this already, but I appreciate this show so much more as an adult. There's a lot of stuff in there that's like, oh, these are some pretty deep themes or like, oh, that was actually really funny. Like it's, it's funny. It's a great show. So I like that. Uh, and then I also want to shout out a real man's man, Josh Cranawater. Hey, whenever I go to watch a movie. I ask Josh, what should I watch? And I'm not going to lie. The last two recommendations Josh has given me, I haven't really liked all that much, but I'm going to go back to him because I know Josh knows his stuff. <laughs> so if, if you need a movie recommendation, tweet at Josh at Josh Cran on Twitter. Cause he, he's got a lot of knowledge and he'll tell me, Oh, what kind of genre are you looking for? Oh, this is funny or this is scary. Or I really liked the music in this one or whatever. So Josh is a real, aside from being a real man's man, a real guy's guy, he's also a real movie buff. So ah. he's my go-to. And so the next time I watch a movie, you know who I'll be asking what I should watch. Absolutely. No better way to go than straight to the man's man right there. That's right. Um, I, I need to talk about Avatar a little bit here. Was this the one that was on Nickelodeon? Yeah. Okay. When did that start? Oh, that's a good question. I want to say it was like early to mid aughts. Let me look. <laughs> Let me look. <laughs> okay. This is how I can relate to it. And it, it maybe even uh, kind of hit the nail on the head. This was a cartoon at a time where I was quitting watching cartoons. But I remember watching this one and I thought, hey, this is actually pretty good. But I, it was a style that I wasn't used to. But now that you're saying that some of the themes and jokes were maybe a little more orientated to a little bit more of a mature audience than the average Nickelodeon show. Maybe that makes sense. Maybe that's why I, I liked it at the time, because I remember watching quite a few episodes, not, not like a religiously or anything, but if it were on, I'd watch it. Yeah. It ran from Oh five to Oh eight. Ah, it's got see, a nine that's a senior yeah. year Chuck right there. So that makes sense. Yeah. And that's fifth through eighth grade for me. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, it, it yeah. adds up. That adds up. Right. But it's it's got a 9.2 out of 10 on IMDb, 100% on Rotten Tomatoes as well. It's it's a great show. And as I go back and watch it now as an adult, I'm like, this is very good. This is very well done. 
And so. isn't this the new number one on Netflix right now too? Didn't I think it just so. come back and it's? Uh, it did. It was on Netflix popular. for a long time and then it left and now it's back again. So yeah. Well, maybe after the heavy hitting Sopranos, maybe I'll go to some uh, Avatar after that too. There you go. To regulate. <laughs> All right. All right. That does it for this episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure to hit us up on social media at Sunny and PHX Pod, Twitter and Instagram. Tell us your most underrated sons of recent memory. Next week, we'll have another episode for you guys. And again, thank you for tuning in. See you next week and go Suns.